Hiring for your interior design firm has always been a challenge, but these days it's harder than ever. Standards for salaries are high and the talent pool is small. In this podcast, I talked to my co-host Gail Doby, along with Ken Roberts of Interior Talent about the challenges of hiring. If you own an interior design firm, or even if you're looking for a new job in the industry, you won't want to skip this episode. Ken and Gail, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And, you know, we're doing, we're working so much together, both of our businesses are. And I thought it'd be kind of fun for our listeners to have me interview the two of you on some of the efforts that we've been working on um, in the last quarter and into the final quarter of this year. So let's talk a little bit about how the two of you met. I certainly remember a very fun dinner party. Um, and I'd love to just hear a little bit more about how the two of you got connected in our industry. Um, and maybe you could also share a little bit about interior talent, Ken. Sure. Well, I mean, it seems like such a long time ago, but it doesn't at the same time when we met. But I mean, we had that amazing experience in Miami where we came to a boardroom event and Nadia, uh, my business partner, was with us. And we had such an incredible time meeting all the board members. But more importantly, we had a really fantastic dinner. And I think right then and there, we knew that there was definitely a connection and not only in a professional, but I think in personal that, that we people that we really can really understand and really appreciate what the other does and really just respect it. And so I think right there, we knew that, and we had a lot of laughs, right? And that's so important <laughs> to me in my life, right? So it was awesome. It was a fantastic time. What am I missing, Gail? I think that pretty much covers it. I, I think <laughs> there were a lot of laughs. <laughs> there were a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. I thought really that fun. was so good. One of the other people that we've interviewed a few times, Garrison Hollinger, was there as well. And oh my goodness, he put all this group together and it was just a riot. <laughs> it was so it was so funny it was really great we laughed more than we ate that's for sure <laughs> so that's how we all met and so Gail, maybe talk a little bit about how the two uh, companies decided to start partnering together because i know yeah. there was some referrals back and forth and definitely some honor and respect as far as what each company does Right. Well, that was one thing that when we're looking for people to partner with, we want to find somebody who aligns with our values. And it's pretty clear that we do. And we've had a great time working together. And I, I told Ken, we've had probably one of the best relationships with a partner with you this round. And it's been so much fun because we have been throwing all these things at you. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you just roll with the punches, which it kind of takes when we're in a big launch period like this. But um, yeah, I, I think we just have a lot in common. We have a lot of things that we're trying to do for the industry. And I think one of the things that just made so much sense is that our clients need help with finding good talent. So who else to hire but interior talent? And so that led us to uh, the first conversation, which got him to Miami, needless to say. Mm -hmm. But um, also, I think what I didn't, I started thinking about this earlier this year when we started looking at what was happening with the industry, all the changes that were going on, and all the really challenging times that our clients are having trying to find staff. 
And then it occurred to me that hmm, this is probably the perfect time for us to do a fee and salary survey again. We did this for six years. We partnered with ASID. We had uh, put this out here. We had a lot of different corporate partners earlier on. And then we stopped it because it was just so much work. It is a ton of work to do this kind of a survey. And um, so interestingly enough, it just seemed to be the right time to do this. And we decided to do it again this year. And we asked, of course, Kenneth, and for him to be a part of this. And you have been an awesome partner. Thank you so much. Well, you guys have been amazing. I think what also is, is that we got to see on the other side, Aaron, that how clients of ours were working with Gail and, and the, your company and seeing how powerful it helped them to grow, to scale, and just be more organized and just be a better firm. Listen, I, I, there's no secret. It's that we know in this industry that creatives are not always the best business owners, right? They, they can run, own a business, but they run the business sometimes with challenges. So they put the right team around them. And I constantly see how you help them structure their team, you know, with the right team, um, with the right people around them, just so they can be much more successful. And I tell you, that's been really, you know, I look at companies that we've worked with that don't have a coach or don't have someone to help them guide them on this path of, of running a more effective, more efficient, more successful business and then others. Right. And I, nine times out of 10, I'm telling you, it's like they get someone that supports them. They're, they're off to the races so much faster and further. And there's just a pleasure to work with because they, they know what they need. They have a, they have a mission, right. And they're on target and it, it's just really exciting. So, I mean, that right there, when I when you guys asked about partnering in this in this survey and all those results and and then launching it out to the to the industry, it made it was a no brainer because I can see how much it will impact the industry, uh, and it, they need it. They need the information and they need the confidence uh, and the tools to be able to go forth. So we're excited. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the survey. And so, Gail, I know the, <laughs> the survey is something that you and I created back when we first started our business. Do you want to talk a little bit about the history of the survey that has kind of come out of the woodwork again this year? Well, when we did the original survey, it was partly an industry service and also a way for us to build a community. And that was one of the things we were looking to do. And we were able to do both. And it helped us build relationships. And I think that was one of the most powerful things that we did. And at that time, we were not really talking about the talent piece. And we added that in this year so that it, it really fit this year, because that has been such a big issue for the industry. And um, and then just connecting with, with you, Kenneth, it just made so much sense for you to be a part of this because then you could add your perspective about the hiring situation, which is a very challenging thing that I've never seen anything like this. And I don't know about you, but um, I don't think it's, I think it's just unprecedented what we've been going through this year, especially after we went through two years of COVID. For sure. And, and I think the survey is so pertinent right now because, yes, the hiring aspect of it is so critical and changed so much. And, and to your point, I've never seen this in nearly 20 years of doing our business. We've never seen it like this before. But um, the the salary changes have been so dramatic that I think that companies are 
sometimes they don't believe us. <laughs> so this validates a little bit. But I think that it's because there's been so much changing and that companies need to be, you know, have to have the information, feel more comfortable in saying, okay, this is why I'm paying this person this much. Mm-hmm. Is because this is what's expected and this is what the industry is calling for now. So it, like I said before, it's going to give them that information and those tools and understanding that this is, this is important. You know, they can't, they can't be competitive unless they know what they need to, to provide to potential employees. So I think it's yes, great. Yes, absolutely. I just heard from one of our clients this morning who was saying they were hiring two people and they needed to know salary ranges. And they said, do you have those? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we have um, really up-to-date information on that. And uh, you're absolutely right. One of the things you want to do as a firm is not just hire great talent, but be smart enough to look smart to the people that are looking for a job because they're looking for you to know what you're doing. And if you go into a salary negotiation and you have no clue what the market is calling for right now, you're going to lose the client or you're going to lose that potential hire. Mm -hmm. And especially right now, you and I and Kenneth have talked so much lately about the benefits and all the other things that have to be included in the compensation package today. It's not a simple situation where you can just pick a number out of the air and say, this is what it goes for across the U.S. and I'm going to pay a senior designer $60,000. That's not going to work. And depending on your area of the country, you're going to have other things that you're going to have to include in that package to make it appealing. So why don't you speak to that for a second, Kevin? Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to definitely know more about what job seekers are seeking too that you're seeing right now. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, no. This is what I was going to go into. So you were reading my mind. Um, Well, you know, it it is changing so fast and so amazingly. Um, And it's, it's actually a little head spinning because COVID has obviously projected the industry to levels it hasn't seen in, I don't think, ever. But it also has changed the thinking, the mentality of job seekers, right? Now, most candidates that are out there that get new jobs are passively seeking. They don't need another job. They have a job. So the whole idea is what are you as as a company going to use to entice them to help them make a change, but also to make their life better and want them to be able to stay there and create a new work home. And so, you know, things have changed. Well, I'll use millennials or or Gen Zs now. Gen Zs coming in, they were really not interested in benefits three years ago. Mm-hmm. Or even millennials were not interested in benefits. It was it was a it was a third thought. It wasn't even a second thought. And since COVID, it is probably one or two. If they have medical benefits, because it just put it all top of mind. They Mm -hmm. saw their friends. They saw people their own age that got really sick. Some people passed away. And so it it just put everything top of mind. So now they realize, and the cost of medical care has just gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. So benefits became a priority. And it was shocking to hear a, you know, 25 year old say, you know what? I need medical insurance. That wasn't the case before. Someone at just a year or two out of school, they would be like, I just, salary's fine. I don't need benefits. Um, so that was a big one. And then I think quality of life. Hmm. The industry has been known that it's, you know, it's a work hard, play hard mentality and a lot of hours. And I think that COVID also changed the fact that people realize that they can do the job differently and from afar and remotely. But more importantly is that there needs to be a balance. And 
they want to be more focused on getting the work done in the time that that's allotted as opposed to having to work more time to get the work done. Mm -hmm. And um, so that balance of work life has been a real important thing. And, and they, that's a big question that comes up is with an average work week. And I think that companies that say, well, people work in 60 hours a week, you know, are at a disadvantage. And so, so it's, it's helped companies think about how that they structure their day. So that's been one. And honestly, you know, the, the, obviously the salary aspect of it has changed, as I mentioned earlier, but there's always been these funny little benefits that come in, you know, where they really want some type of, you know, whether there's a philanthropy aspect of it, they want to do something and do, uh, is the company doing something for the community? Uh, are, are they doing things together as a team? Like not just every once in a while, but more often, right? Because they've been away from people for two years. So now they're coming back into the office well, they want to be social. They want to get along. They want to have fun. And that's that work hard, play hard mentality. And so there's these, these little things that keep coming up that are just surprising that they're being asked for rather than the companies that had those as standouts. Hmm. And that was really unique, uh, eye-opening, I should say, that I saw that the companies that did some of those cool things, now they were being asked for more consistently from other people. And I, I thought that was quite surprising over these last couple of years. And so that's what's so interesting about this survey is that we, you know, the questions that we you asked on that, it gave such consistent feedback on all these different benefits that are being asked for that weren't before, or we're at the bottom of the list now. It's been really exciting to see. It's been so fascinating to look at the data and um, data it's interesting to me, I guess. And it's because it's the real world. It's the, it's the real answer that people are looking for right now. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how many of these changes are going to stay here over the next decades as we go forward. Because honestly, I think there is a huge shift in the way that people are looking at jobs, the way that they're performing in their jobs, and especially We've seen we've seen a lot of this. Um, you know, Aaron and I have talked about this a lot about the fact that we have a virtual company, but it was eye-opening to the designers that they could have run a virtual company during the COVID period and have people work partly from home and then realize they could depend on their employees to do a good job because they didn't have to be commuting, they didn't have to get on the subway, they didn't have to fight traffic. And they had more time at home, which could cut even two hours a day for people living in New York City. They did not have to be in the um, commuting world for 10 hours a week, which they could spend working instead. So it actually ended up being probably better for the hiring companies uh, that these people were then able to continue to work from home. And mm -hmm. they didn't lose the revenue during that two-year period because there were people that were willing to work from home. Mm -hmm. So it actually ended up, I think, really making such a, a landslide shift for our industry. I can't imagine it ever going back 100% to in the office. I would be really surprised. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I, I know some people did it during that period of time, but how, how many companies do you see actually proceeding that way? Because I know that like as soon as they could get them back in the office, they were excited about that too. Well, I can tell you, this has been pretty interesting to see. I, and it is a little bit more in, in 
more urban markets, San Francisco, Chicago, New York and stuff, but even in some other smaller secondary cities, is that there's a number of firms that we work with that are, they pretty much have decided that they're going to keep a hybrid work week going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens is it's not only obviously people can do the job remotely, right? They're seeing that, but they also realize they can use smaller office space. They don't need the large space anymore. People don't have to pay those commute or deal with parking and they can save money because companies that are providing parking now, they don't have to pay for that anymore. Right. So that's a huge savings for them. And it was all these little ancillary things that were coming out of this that they realized like, wait a minute, people are happier. You know, people feel like they were just shifting on instead of looking at someone and when they punch in and punch out in a sense and being in the office the 40 or 45 hours a week, they were looking at people's results. And when I heard one of my clients say, I'll keep it confidential it was, but it was a very large architectural firm, architectural interiors firm, excuse me. And when I heard him say is that we only thing we care about is their results. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'll tell you, I dealt with this person for about 10 years and the opposite would come out of that person's mouth for many years about, you know, I need them in the office, 45 hours, 50 hour work week. It's hard work, 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 work. And COVID shifted his mentality to the point where he has worked the remote all through COVID. We're going on three years now. Mm-hmm. And they've decided but we're seeing what small firms too. I just yeah. talked to a firm today and they have uh, 10 people in their office outside of Chicago and they're completely comfortable with a hybrid. They have no interest in changing that. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of business owners, whether they're designers or not, struggle with the trust factor of mm-hmm. trusting your employees. What are they doing when they're working from home? And I mean, Gail knows that like all she's got to do is click on a Zoom link and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what do you want to do next? Um, but, you know, I think that trust is such a big thing. And even when I was uh, just popped up at football practice the other day with all the moms, I was chatting with them and they're like, oh, yeah, people are starting to like count keystrokes and, you know, not just GPS tracking, but keystrokes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I've been a part of a virtual company since 2008. And I mean, I, I probably produce more than I would driving into an office every day. Yeah. So how do you see some people kind of overcoming that trust issue? Well, I'll tell you what we've seen is a number of companies have instituted different types of software so they can see when people are working on. And they do, in a sense, have to kind of clock in, because especially if they're billable hours, right? Sure. So that's obviously, you know, been for many firms that are billable, that's pretty easy. You know, they have to track. But it's been more results. You know, they have deadlines. I think where... We've seen some of our clients is the project manager has been such, so much more important than ever because of putting together a strict schedule, right, Gail? And right. I think that's helped companies say, okay, this is our schedule. We're sticking to it. If we're not on it, then that's when they can come in and kind of try to understand why they're not hitting those, those marks. What do you yeah. think, Gail? I agree with that. I think that, um, first of all, you have to, you trust, but verify. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> as long as you're seeing the results, then why does it matter if somebody's going to school pick up at 245 right. and they're going to be out for an hour because they're going to work hard, right? <laughs> Aaron? Yeah. Does, I'm like, that. actually, after this, I'm going to school pick up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And so that it has been one of the things that to me, that's a great perk because 
that flexibility of being able to take care of your kids, not have to have somebody else go pick up the kids and know that you can do that. It's your choice to do that. And that I trust enough that she's going to get her work done. It's always that way. I've never worried about it. And we've been working together. We're starting our 18th year. So at this point, um, it's just a, it's not even a consideration. And we, if we have one other mother on the team and she's also a single mom and you, you have to kind of keep that in mind because that is a, not an unusual situation these days to have some parents. No. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if I could jump in there, is that I bet you Aaron can testify to this, but I'll bet you if you talk to other firm owners and their designers are working at night, just pop on for a couple hours, get it done. It's the quiet time they love. Because during the during the, the business hours, the people are calling them, emailing, they do it stuff. Then they could just focus for those hour or two at night and just hunker in and get it done. And they walk into the next day, whether it's physically or virtually, and they already got things done. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not behind. Whereas if they're not, they don't have the ability to do that. If they have to stay late, they get disgruntled and they got very happy about it. But when they leave at five o'clock, they're usually not going to leave the office and go work at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they can have the ability and they can be remote or hybrid, they will do that and gladly do that. Yeah. So you're so right about that, being flexible with, especially people that have kids um, or elderly parents. That was a big thing too. We've seen a number of people with elderly parents and now they're starting, you're seeing more and more elderly parents live with their kids. So a lot of those things. There's so many changes. And of course, I, I think one thing we should definitely talk about today is what's happening with the economy too. I know that was on your list, Aaron, of things you wanted to talk about today. And we are definitely seeing a big shift right now with how people are dealing with uh, the fact that the cost of living has gone up so much and they're having to make cost of living adjustments. And then if you hire somebody from the outside who hasn't been with your firm to get competitive, you have to offer more than you probably are paying your current people. So you have to bring them up to parity so that you don't have people leaving because they're not being treated fairly. So there is so much more to consider today. And it's not just a simple, okay, I'm going to offer this person $80,000 or try to give them the lowest end of the range because you're probably not going to get that person. And you're certainly not going to get A-level talent if you are looking at using the very lowest number on the, the numbers. So what are your thoughts about what's going on economically? Well, you know, that you're absolutely right. But I, I'll tell you where, if you take that a little bit further, is that when companies are, are interviewing candidates and they, if they don't really understand what someone's motivators are to make a change and really dive right. into that, really dig a little bit, you know, then they have to focus on what's the financial gain for them to move, right? Uh, so that's one thing about this. And I think where, you know, we talked, mentioned earlier about, you know, there's a fear aspect with the economy, right? Yeah. So companies are fearful, like you said, to be able to have to now, do they bring everybody up in salary? things shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think that companies do have to take a a check and look at where they are. And I don't think they need to, there's a couple of good books out there that talk about salaries don't have to be equal across the board. It's on how, you know, is that person you bring in a a different level or do they bring different skill sets? And that's why you're hiring them. So they don't necessarily have to be level, but you do have to look at what you offer in the total package to your team and and see if you are just 
in the realm of being competitive just overall, not necessarily if you're just new talent. And, I, and I'll give you an example. We have a firm that we're just starting to work with They're based out of Chicago. And they've been very, very fortunate to have a long tenured employees. So they know, they called it out. Listen, we pay our team less than market, market salaries. And we're worried about bringing someone in and we're going to have to pay them more. And I said, like I said just to you before, I'm like, what is this person's responsibility is going to be? And they're kind of taking the job of one and a quarter people, right? They're filling that. So they're actually doing more. So it deems a little bit more higher salary, but they're now reevaluating all their salaries. And I think that that is a very fair and understandable thing that people, companies have to do. But I think they have to go back to, like I originally said, is really understand why would someone want to leave where they are and come to that company? It's not always about money. You're absolutely right. They have to be competitive. But if they dive in deeper, they'll see that usually people make moves when money is three or four on the list. Right. They're, you know, so uh, it, it is a scary topic because, you know, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. I mean, there's talks of stagflation, inflation, you know, uh, recession, all these terminologies that are not fun to hear, <laughs> especially as a business owner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I think that if you live in the fear and that's where you are, you have to move forward the best you can and be smart about your decisions on how you hire and what you're paying someone. But I think that it's um, it, everyone has to be a little bit careful on their hiring and not rush to hire. The last year and a half, two years, people are rushed to hiring like crazy. Um, but I think it, it's shifting a little bit now. So. Well, it'll so be there's so many fears that come out around the economy and also around hiring. And so, Gail, what are some of the things that you're sharing with some of your coaching clients of just to combat that, you know, because they still need the help um, and the economy is going to be what it is. And so you've got dual fears going into this for some business owners, right? Well, first of all, you don't know what you don't know. And um, so that's number one. And Second of all, if you aren't doing the job of marketing all the time, especially if you're busy, that's when you should be marketing. If you're not doing that, then you're going to have some lulls and you're going to have some shortfalls where maybe you don't have enough business to really pay all your staff the way you would like to. So you have to be always ahead of the curve and thinking about the what if scenarios. And so to me, I think that's one of the things you need to start doing is thinking about What happens if that does happen? On the good side, I happened to listen about three weeks ago to a really interesting interview on American Express with a global economist who was talking about the fact that we aren't going to have a significant uh, recession. It's going to be very, very slight and it's going to correct very quickly. And uh, actually in July, we saw that the consumer price index was flat. For a whole month, which doesn't mean anything because it's only one month, you have to have more for a trend. But just knowing that the potential is for things to continue to be good, maybe not at the crazy rate they were in the last two years during COVID, but we still have a fairly good economy in terms of what's happening. And if you buy into the belief that every the sky is falling, then you're going to get the sky is falling. And if you believe that you can be strong no matter what the economy is, then it's going to be great for your company. So you decide what you want to believe 
And whatever you decide to believe is what's going to drive the success or the failure of your company. So that's what I've been saying to our clients, because I don't think that um, whenever I run into a challenge in the business, and Erin, you've watched me over these years go through this, there are some really challenging times, but usually that's when I kick into gear. And that's the first thing I do is figure out, well, what do we do about it? So what's our next move? How do we get ahead of this? And how do we manage the the risk around this period of time? So I think that is what I would say is just to be aware that it's always going to be up and down. And if you're not preparing for the up and down, then you're you're going to constantly be in that fear mode of, oh my God, I haven't planned for this. Yeah. Well, start planning for it so that you know mm-hmm. what are my moves if this happens. So our good buddy Garrison had done that right around the COVID time. And he was asking me, well, what are you doing to prepare your business? And he told me, and this is before it was- uh, We had no idea happened. anything was happening. No, <laughs> we had no idea. And he said, <laughs> it's going to shut down trust me, this is going to shut down the U.S. I said, oh my God, that is a major prediction. And this was in February last, uh, two years ago. And sure enough, of course it did in a couple of months. And he had already planned. He already had his layoffs figured out. He knew who needed to go. And he knew he might have to do some uh, pay cuts in order to make it through the time. He did all the things he needed to do. And I wouldn't say that I was the smartest about it because I was still sitting there in shock not necessarily thinking about it. And so that ha- that has shifted my thinking now mm-hmm. to being much more proactive about thinking about what to do when these times come, because they will come. We're going to have a cycle every four to yeah. seven years. So get ready for it. What is yeah. that cycle? How long is it going to last? Nobody knows. But um, start paying attention to things outside of the industry to get some of that data so that you're not surprised. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is mindset is definitely number one. You've got to <laughs> have that girl between the ears ready to go and and um, well-behaved and and have a good mindset about that. Um, and then taking action and always having, you know, thoughts about preparing and how can I be proactive and how, how can I prepare for these things always. Because you're right, when when things do happen, even within our business, I see that dial. You just turn up that dial, and it's like we've just got to like unfold this and figure it out. Like we've got the map in front of us. We've just got to figure which route we're gonna take to to get there. So, yeah, and I think um, relating to back to the survey and also to hiring right now, you hire based on your your pipeline and not on predictions of the economy. So if your pipeline is strong and you've, you've got six months to a year of work ahead of you or a fairly strong percentage of work that's required to pay your bills, then if you see a need to hire somebody, I would be hiring that person um, as soon as you see that need and making sure that that person is in place because you need to have a great team to take you to the levels that you want to go. And you can't split. If you play small, you're going to get small. So mm-hmm. if you want to play big, then you have to be thinking the way we're talking about today. So we're actually talking about counterintuitive thinking because honestly, if you can do this in your business, you're going to be prepared for most of the things that will come your way and you'll be ready to make non-emotional decisions, which are really right. important at this time. 
And, and yeah, you, know, you mentioned about you know the marketing aspect of it. People don't realize. Well, obviously, you always mark marketing in the good times is more important than in the bad times. Absolutely, right? Always kind of feeding that pipeline. But when people are marketing, they don't realize what it does for internal morale for your team. They they see you're still going out there, you're still having a presence, and it attracts potential employees. When they see your company, you know, they see your greatest new projects going out. They're seeing the things that you're doing. They see that you're speaking at events. They see all that. They're like, oh, interesting. You know what? If these people are doing something right. I, I might have to keep my eyes and eyes open for an opportunity potentially. So it does much more than just trying to feed your pipeline. It sends a signal to both your employees and to people outside that that you're not playing around, that you're serious and moving forward. Right. You know, people don't want to join a company um, or be at a company that's living in fear and negativity and and so much worry. They want to see how someone's going to get through that because every business in all times of being has ups and downs, mm-hmm. some a little bit harder. Listen, we all know the last recession was a tough one, but the businesses that got through it, look at them now. Well, it's been so great getting to chat with you both about not just the survey, but you know the challenges that you're hearing from business owners that are coming to Interior Talent looking for hiring great talent. Um, you know, Gail, our coaching plans that are coming through, and you know the, the fears that come out when either a recession starts or they're realizing that it's time to hire, and what does that mean, and how does that look, and can they afford it? Um, and then, of course, that's where Ken and his company come into play. So. I would love to let everybody know when you guys are speaking at markets. So you can catch Gail and Ken at the Sherwin-Williams Seminar Room with, for International Market Centers on Saturday, October 22nd at 1.30. They're going to be talking about hiring terrific talent and attracting and keeping a top design team. And then on Sunday at 10 a.m., we are always over at Universal at their Learning Center. And we'll have a panel um, called Salaries Revealed, the answers to who gets paid. And that's going to be a panel with Gail and Ken's partner, Nadia Roberts, and then also a good uh, friend and client of ours, Elisa Grayer. And that's going to be moderated by Caitlin Peterson. And then on Monday, Gail will be at the point at 2 p.m. And we're actually, it's kind of a cute little kitschy name. It's the survey says, and it's what you should know about fees, rates, and charging for your expertise. So um, please join us. You can go over to gailw.com slash events to see those events and to get registered. Okay, so now that we have market figured out and we know where we're going, we're going to get to see everyone and they're going to get to hear you speak on these awesome topics. Um, what three things would you guys like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I'll start off with, you know, when you're looking at bringing on new talent, you have to really look at what are the motivators of someone wanting to join your company? You have to see where they are and what they're looking for. Don't just, like we said, don't just throw out what you think you have. Really understand because sometimes little things make a huge difference in someone's life. So really take the time to really assess what someone's motivators are when bringing on new talent. Uh, I'll pick one. And I think that is to be educated about what it takes to create a compensation package, which is not just how much you're paying in salary and make sure that you have clarity about that and that you have an offer letter for the employee to be 
so that they know exactly what they're getting and there are no questions about the benefits that they'll be receiving. And um, don't forget that today people are really looking for health insurance more than in past years. So those that would be number two. And Kenneth, I'm going to throw it back to you to, to wrap up with the third one. You know, I'm going to go back on when we talked about the economy yeah. is that you can't live in fear. No. If, mm-hmm. if you live in fear, fear will fear will overtake you. You have to be smart and you have to prepare for the ups and downs. But I think that as a business owner, you have to, as you said, hire for what you have in front of you, kind of pipeline, what kind of work you have, and really market, market and market, market as much as marketing as you can do. And it's never, never think that marketing is is not worth it because it may take six months or more for that to trickle in. But trust me, it always comes back. (laughs) It does. I think we're all set. I can't wait to see you guys in person. I certainly am going to get to see you more often in the coming months. And um, thanks so much, Ken, for joining us today. And always appreciate all the advice and worldly knowledge that you both have to share with our audience. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I I love speaking and seeing you guys and look forward to seeing you in person real soon. And uh, Gail, I'll see you in Miami. Sounds great. See you then. (laughs) Thank you so much to Ken Roberts for joining the podcast for this insightful episode. Interior Talent, a national firm headquartered in Orlando, Florida, is a leading talent recruitment and resource firm for the architecture, interior design, engineering, retail, and manufacturing industries. Founded in 2003, the firm understands the needs of modern employment industry in relation to talent recruitment and retention, allowing them to approach each opportunity from the employer and employee perspective to utilize best practices in all situations. Interior Talent's also the pearl sponsor of the 2022 Interior Design Survey on fees, salaries, and competing for talent. Be sure to pick up your copy of the results to get even more details about the current state of hiring at the Pearl Collective slash some, the number two, exec, and learn more about our upcoming three-day hiring for top talent challenge with Gail and Ken in November.